stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, take a few days off, uh, and uh, a lot happened. Uh, a lot has happened in the past few days. It is not going to be a sleepy, quiet December month. There is uh, a lot going on in the world these days, and a lot going on right here in our backyard. Of course, Sunday night, we have the announcement from the Premier about the mandated across-the-boards oil production cuts in Alberta. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, at least initially, it appears as though there's some positive impacts from that at least in terms of what we've seen of the price of Western Canadian Select and narrowing that that price differential. Uh, We've seen the stock prices uh, of some of the big players uh, in the oil patch increase, at least in the short term. Maybe it's starting to have the desired effect. The story today, however, uh, CNRL uh, is cutting a billion dollars off of its 2019 capital budget due to poor Western Canadian oil prices. Now, If indeed those prices rebound, uh, the company says it's prepared to ramp up spending. Uh, But announcing today a 2009 base budget of $3.7 billion below its normalized range of $4.7 billion to $5 billion. So kind of an indication of where things are at. Uh, You've been hearing as well. I mean, we've seen some remarkable protests and rallies here in Calgary. Uh, Just yesterday, hundreds and hundreds turning out for a protest in Drayton Valley. Uh, an Alberta community particularly hard hit by this crisis. Uh, that town's mayor, Michael Dirksen, uh, says you can see it everywhere. It's the closing of businesses. Uh, you drive around, you see a lot of for rent, a lot of for lease, a lot of for sale. Um, and if businesses are shutting down, people are being laid off. Um, and when those people are laid off, people are losing their houses. It's, a, it's no longer a recession. It's a, it's a crisis. In fact, uh, the word crisis was used by the prime minister during his recent trip to Calgary. The question becomes then, how are they responding as if it was a crisis? What about their actions indicate that this is a crisis? You know, certainly the Alberta government's doing its part. Like I say, desperate times call for desperate measures. But we're not seeing anything of the sort from Ottawa. Look, ultimately, we need to get pipelines built. That is the long-term solution to this crisis. And obviously, we've had some problems on that file. And, and certainly, some of the responsibility lies directly at the feet of this current federal government. But by all means, they got to get those pipelines built. It's federal jurisdiction. But is that it? Is, is that all the federal government can be doing right now? What more could or should they be doing? Where is there room for Ottawa to get involved here and at least try to help alleviate some of this crisis? Well, an interesting piece in the Financial Post today on some ways in which Ottawa could respond to this. And for whatever reason, uh, they're deciding not to. Uh, Dr. Jack Mintz is President's Fellow at the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. Uh, He's the author of the piece, which you can read at financialpost.com. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Jack Mintz, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Uh, My pleasure. In terms of uh, the federal government's role in all of this, obviously, first and foremost, uh, that would be getting pipelines approved and built. Uh, So where does that fit in in what we're trying to deal with right now? Well, I think uh, we have to remember that uh, the federal government is responsible for interprovincial uh, transportation and also transportation with our neighbors like the uh, United States. 
and uh, they have the responsibility of uh, making sure that uh, pipelines are being built. But also, given the Alberta's contribution to the rest of Canada, which is just absolutely immense, you know, $220 billion in uh, net taxes paid to the federal government in the past 10 years. Federal government should be uh, in crisis mode uh, at this time and uh, going all out to support an important part of the country. And also, we have to remember, every part of the country has its own wishes to be part of Canada, but we, you know, it's it's very important to treat Alberta just just uh, like anybody else, whether it's Quebec, Ontario, or the, or the Atlantic, uh, in terms of making sure that, uh, you know, Albertans feel that they are part of Federation. And so uh, there are a number of things that the federal government has the power to do. It also has uh, great ability uh, to try to persuade other provinces to be part of a deal, since other provinces are looking for uh, support from the federal government in various ways. And that's how uh, Federation in Canada works. This is by making the kind of bargaining Mm -hmm. uh, that's required to make, make sure things get done. Well, and I mean, look, the prime minister came to to Calgary and used the word crisis. So it's it's fair then if if he's going to describe it as a crisis to expect him to act like it's a crisis. Well, I think I think that's correct. And, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to say the words, you know, uh, that Alberta's in a crisis. But then the question is, what you know, what is being offered to help Alberta? And, and uh, now I have to admit, a lot of people have been raising complaints about uh, the federal government not doing anything. Uh, but I think I haven't really seen people kind of lay out an agenda of what the federal government should do. And so part of my article today was really to kind of lay out some ideas. Maybe they're not good ones, but uh, <laughs> at least uh, four ideas about, you know, the actions that could be taken by the federal government to uh, to support Alberta and, and the industry. But not only not only to help Alberta, but given Alberta's immense contribution to the rest of the country, uh, this is good for Canada as well. Well, it would be. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you make the argument for some direct financial assistance, which, I mean, I, I don't know that anybody's necessarily asked for a, a bailout necessarily. I don't think that that's what it is you're talking about. But what kind of contribution could Ottawa make and, and how would it make a difference? Uh, well, there's various things I do. I mean, we should, first of all, get to the main problem. The main problem is getting some pipelines built and mm-hmm. getting some capacity uh, in place to uh, export our oil to the rest of the world. And so uh, the federal government tanker ban on Nor- Northern Gateway uh, wasn't helpful. Uh, that shut off, uh, you know, all, uh, a, a very important way that we can try to get oil out of Canada. Uh, the uh, lack of federal support to get energy east uh, moving, uh, including changing regulations along the time when the application was being considered, was not helpful either. And again, I know if the federal government really had in this heart to try to push it through, there are ways that, uh, you know, they would have been able to get a deal done, especially since there are many parts of Canada that actually get some benefits associated with the pipeline and and the construction of it. Um, uh, And then then, uh, certainly regulations uh, are important in the regulatory process. The federal government's trying to work on that to make it better, but when you look at uh, Bill C-69, uh, which is, which you might argue has some uh, better aspects to compared to the previous regime, but when you compare it to the rest of the world, like Australia, European, and, and American uh, regulation, uh, it is really not for, uh, 
best-in-class uh, regulation in Bill C-69. In fact, Australia does a much better job at regulating their resource developments. And as a result, they get a lot more done faster uh, than what we can achieve in Canada. So I think uh, the federal government should take Bill C-69 because many people are concerned that they're loading up too much uh, required of project proponents to uh, try to answer all the social and political issues of the country when these things should be separated from the regulatory process itself. And so those things are important just to get pipelines built. But right. given the, the current economic situation, there's a, uh, there's a couple of other things that the province uh, or the federal government could do. One is uh, it can, there are a couple of regulatory changes that could be made that would add on or potentially create the ability to getting uh, rail transportation done in a very quick way. And that is to allow American uh, U.S. trains to come further into Canada uh, to transport oil. And another would be for taking all those uh, oil tankers put out of service, uh, in fact, forced out of service after after Megantic. It, you know, Megantic was a tragedy. It was related to light oil and, and, and its combustible aspects of it. But bitumen is much different and much safer. And those oil tankers could be used uh, to transport bitumen and uh, regulation could be provided for that. And so that's another important change that would be very helpful to the industry. Uh, and then finally, you know, Alberta government could do a lot uh, to, um, you know, just provide some support to the Alberta government. It has had a stabilization program uh, in the past when the province loses a significant amount of revenue due to economic decline. Alberta doesn't qualify for equalization payments, but it would qualify for stabilization payments. And so far, the federal government has only given like $250 million, which is just uh, breathtakingly small compared to the you know billions that is spent on equalization programs for other provinces. So I think they could revamp that because it's just a matter of how you calculate numbers. And so, uh, you know, I think there are things that the federal government could do and... Uh, and, you know, I had some other ideas there, but uh, that gives you kind of a very quick mm-hmm. review. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, you give the example in your piece about, uh, you know, we've got uh, the existing industrial research assistance program that, um, you know, maybe these kinds of, of initiatives could make a difference. Because on the service, I guess, if Ottawa were to simply, you know, send some money to the provincial government, um, you know, what would the provincial government do with, with that that kind of, of a payment and, and how does it help the industry? So where, where would you see that, that kind of financial assistance going? Well, actually, I had this idea after 2014 uh, when you had the collapse of oil prices. You were seeing, you know, professionals and scientists in Alberta being laid off. And in fact, I even proposed it to uh, the federal government at that time. And there was uh, at least a little bit of thinking, or at least interest in it. I don't know what ever happened to it. But uh, it goes back to really what Israel faced when 25% of its population increased with migrants coming from uh, ex-Soviet countries. And they were all scientists. And the Israelis said, God, what are we going to do with all these people? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they need to get integrated in the economy. We just don't want to send them through for Hebrew classes. <laughs> we right. want to be able to make sure they get jobs. And so they came up with this idea of giving a grant to to all these uh, very bright uh, individuals that came at, uh, all at one time uh, to Israel, which um, 
which allowed them to start up their own businesses. And uh, that's uh, what led to Startup uh, Nation uh, in Israel and its high-tech ability. And uh, I was I had always thought that uh, maybe the IRAP program, uh, which is very, uh, you know, which is very popular uh, in Canada, uh, or some version of it uh, could be done, could be used, I think. Uh, and maybe some sort of pilot version could be used in Alberta that would uh, basically create up a create a startup nation here in Alberta. Yeah. So that's the reason why I thought uh, that's another area where I think the federal government could play a role and, and work with the province on that. Yeah, well, some interesting ideas uh, and certainly some food for thought uh, at an important moment for our country. Uh, people can read more at financialpost.com. Jack Mintz, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. There you go. Dr. Jack Mintz, he is the president's fellow of the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. His thoughts on what Ottawa could be doing in the short term. Look, obviously, the long-term objective is to get pipelines built, it's to get over the hurdles around Trans Mountain, hopefully in the U.S., get over the hurdles regarding Keystone XL. I mean, at least we're seeing some progress on Line 3, and that's an important project as well, maybe overshadowed by the other two. Look, if we get get all three going, that would be huge. But obviously, on two of them, we still got a ways to go. In the interim, however, as Jack Mintz lays out, there's some different things that Ottawa could do to help alleviate the crisis. Uh, they're not doing any of those. And they're not doing anything else either. So I think that's where there's a legitimate line of criticism here, that you call this a crisis, but you're not acting as though it is. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.